Hey guys, my name is Lauren. Um, I'm studying early childhood and I'm in second year. Uh, we're just going to read from Mark 4, verse 1 to 20, and it's on the inside of your book. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in on it, sat in, into, in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a soul went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell upon the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it it away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path, where the word is own. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but pendure it for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Good afternoon. So that you can be here. My name is Rob, and great you can enjoy lunch with us. And uh, if you don't have any food at all, you can enjoy lunch on us, or at least some little snacks. If you've never been to lunchtime Bible talks before, or uni Bible talks, I should say, uh, we're at uni, we look at the Bible, and we talk about it. We hear what God has to say in the Bible, and we seek to just read the next bit that we're up to. The part that was read for us was from Mark's Gospel, which is a biography of Jesus. If you've never read any part of the Bible before, there are four <coughs> biographies of Jesus, and this one is written by Mark. Before we get into actually looking at that passage, I want to ask you about secrets. Actually, I want to get you to chat with each other on your table and meet a few people and talk with each other about why do people keep secrets? What reasons do people keep secrets and have secrets? Go 
Secrets are kept to protect something. Maybe it's to protect some good news that we don't want to spill the beans on just yet. It might be to protect something that's precious. Uh, so, for example, I'm not sure if this fits into the category of precious. Um, KFC, their secret uh, is held in a safe somewhere in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, I'm told. Uh, and the Coca-Cola recipe is officially known by only two executives. Oh, what happens if they're broken? They're not allowed on the same All that carries on. To protect something precious. And in fact, the secret itself becomes the thing that's precious itself and so on and so on. Often, secrets are kept in order to exclude some people and include others on a in a circle. And I'm told, I haven't experienced this, I'm told that uh, young girls learn this in the schoolyard very quickly, <laughs> uh, how to have secrets which exclude others to include some. And I won't go into that, and whether that still happens at uni or not. <laughs> but in Mark's Gospel, and in the part of the Gospel that was just read for us, we actually see secrets the secret sayings of Jesus. Well, pick it up in verse 1 there, just on your sheet, on the left-hand side. And again, sorry, again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. 
of the crowd was beside the sea on the land. Jesus, as we saw last week, had a large crowd around him. So large that he gets into a boat and starts teaching the crowd. And verse 2, keep, keep going, and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And then uh, continuing on. He was teaching them many things in parables. What Mark is teaching us, or telling us in this part of his gospel, is about how Jesus teaches. And he uses this word parables uh, quite a few times, about ten times, I think, uh, throughout this passage. And it's a word that is probably a bit unfamiliar to many of us. <coughs> what's a parable? I did a search. It was used ten times in the Sydney Morning Herald in the last two months, the word parable. If you look it up in the dictionary or see how it's used, you might see that it means a story or a saying which is either real or fictitious that has a deeper meaning and significance to it than just the plain meaning of the story or the saying. But is that what Jesus is doing when he teaches from his boat to big crowd in parables? Is that what he's doing? Uh, when I went to Sunday school, I never know what Sunday school is, it's sort of a, a church for kids on a Sunday morning and we'd have a Sunday school teacher who would teach us parts of the Bible every week. And I remember being taught that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Just an ordinary, everyday story that has a heavenly meaning. And the idea behind that is that heaven is something that's difficult to understand. And so Jesus uses a simple story to illustrate the difficult thing about heaven, which no one really understands. And so parables are like an illustration that a teacher might use to try and illustrate something that is difficult. But I don't know if you picked it up. If that is true, Jesus is not a very good teacher. Because after he tells this parable, this supposedly simple explanation, his closest followers come up to ask him what it's all about. So we jump down to verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12, the 12 followers of Jesus, his disciples, asked him about the parables. If the parables were meant to be stories that made <coughs> difficult things clear, then they're coming in to ask him what the story means, what the illustration means. Now, if you ever hear somebody who's a, a teacher or a preacher use an illustration to illustrate something, and you have to come and ask them what the illustration <laughs> is, they're not a good teacher. Don't use that illustration. So, is Jesus just a dad teacher? Do you just can't uh, get his message across? Are these stories meant to be a teaching device? Well, Jesus tells stories, but does he tell them to connect with people? Jesus says in verse 10, when he was, oh, Mark tells us in verse 10, when he was alone, those who were around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And Jesus says in verse 11, 
and he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Jesus has a message which is not going to be understood by some people. Jesus has a message that's going to be like a secret for the outsiders. But for those on the inside, well, it's spoken. Uh, for those on the inside, the secrets are made known. Parables are like secret messages, secret sayings that that do something more than just explain a simple message. And in this parable, we're told that Jesus explains how to understand all the parables. If you jump down to verse 13, because these disciples don't understand these stories, Jesus says, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand all the parables? Jesus is saying, you get this one, Understand this one, you'll be able to understand all the parables that I'm speaking. You'll be able to have the key to understanding. They are not for clarification of what the kingdom message is, but they are secret messages about the kingdom that call for explanation. That's Jesus' rationale. Well, why does he speak like this? Why does he speak these secret sayings, these Parables. Is he protecting something? Like a KFC recipe formula? Uh, is he trying to... Is he embarrassed about the message and so wishes to protect himself? Is he trying to include others or, and exclude others? Well, trying to point two on your outlines, sorting out. The reason for teaching this way is in verse 12, that small number 12. Pick it up from verse 11. And he said to them, To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now take a moment for yourself to chew on that verse. Have a look at that verse, verse 12. Understand what Jesus is saying. Or you may want to discuss with others on your table or as a table about what verse 12 means. I'll give you an example. I'm <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, you may be glad to have stopped discussing that. Uh, you may only be just beginning to put a few things together. Just put your hand up if you think, yeah, I understand that why Jesus speaks in parables. I, yeah, I think I've got that. I think I understand that. Oh, good. No one. No one at all. Oh, one. Where was it then? Where was it then? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see you there. Okay. I put your hand up if you think. I don't think I quite understand. A few more. Who's not sure if they understand? <laughs> yeah. I'll come and check with me. <laughs> Um, and even if she did, if she did have it right, I'm not going to tell you what she was going to say anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can come and ask me about it later. <laughs> Who thinks it sounds like Jesus was saying his parables were so that? people outside would not understand so that they don't repent and they're not forgiven. Who thinks that sounds like that what Jesus is saying? Uh, there's a lot more commitment there. <laughs> you think that it sounds like Jesus is saying the reason he speaks in these stories is so that people don't get it. These secrets are there so people don't understand so they don't repent and not forgive. Okay? Now, it can't be that, can it? It can't possibly be that. Because, uh, well, how could Jesus be so mean as to mean anything like that? So he couldn't have meant that. Which is the same sort of reasoning that goes along the lines of miracles can't happen because I don't believe in miracles. Therefore, they can't happen. The priest, the outcome of your reasoning is actually built into the presupposition. Jesus couldn't teach that because that is mean. Therefore, he didn't teach that. There must be something else. And our understanding of Jesus is that he's this, well, you know, depending on how you've seen him pictured, he's a chilled out dude who just loves people, loves a good party, and just wants to hang out with people. And that's true. But the way his kingdom comes is not by being a cool dude and just chilling out with people. Jesus says he's going to bring his kingdom through a message of judgment <coughs> and saving. One message, one and the same message, which will bring judgment and will save. Well, how does that work? Well, we're told about parables throughout this chapter. We don't have the whole chapter in front of us. They're an opportunity to hear God speak, to hear God's message. Well, you can see it there in verse 3. Uh, Listen, Jesus says, a sower went to sow. Verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 23, which you don't have, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24, Pay attention to what you hear. It's all about 
hearing the message. Now, everybody who heard Jesus on that day was in earshot of Jesus. You know, he's out in the water, they're on the lands. Maybe the people at the back didn't quite hear everything. The people at the front did. Uh, they spit on them or something. They were shouting. Everybody heard something. But did everyone really hear the message? Jesus says to everybody, listen. God's message is about listening and hearing. But do you really hear? See, some people that day were just content to see this very popular guy out in the boat speaking. <coughs> they were home that day and they go, and the guy in the boat spoke. Huge crowd. Told a story about a farm. It's great stuff. <laughs> Someone else went home and said, oh, I was at the back. I think he told a story about a farmer. Yeah. I don't know. I went home was hungry. Big crowd. Lots of things happening. Did you really hear what was being said? Did you hear God speak and what he was saying? How will people how people listen will sort out who's in the crowd. Those who really hear are inside God's kingdom. And those who remain outside, remain outside, out of the kingdom, under judgment. And Jesus explains this, his ministry, and the way he speaks like that is being like the ministry of the prophet Isaiah some 800 years before this actually happened. And it's in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, in Isaiah chapter 6. And that's actually the bit that Jesus quotes here in verse 12. God gave Isaiah a message of judgment to the nation of Israel. Because in the nation of Israel, generation after generation, the nation turned its back on God. And generation after generation, God sent his prophets <coughs> to speak his message to them. Turn back, turn back to God. And again and again and again, God would save them and restore them. And again and again and again, the people would turn their back on God worse and worse. And the nation spiraled down and down until finally God said he has a new plan. A salvation plan which will end the spiral of rebellion. But first will come judgment. He's going to send a prophet this time who's going to speak a message. And his message will be, ever see, but never see. Ever hearing, but never understanding. Because God's going to bring judgment upon those who won't truly hear. And their judgment will be, is they don't hear. And they remain outside. And it's a judgment that will lead to a new beginning for others. And so it is with Jesus' preaching. He aims to divide his audience so that no one is left sitting on the fence. So you look at a group of people, they don't know where they are with God. They don't know what they think about Jesus. But teach the message of Jesus, and you can't sit on the fence. Well, no, I'm not on board with that. Or, yeah, I'd be interested in that. The message of Jesus sorts people out. That's the aim. And you just can't tell by looking at people. People like Araldite. I don't know if you know Araldite. It's glue, and it comes in two tubes. And it can sit in these two tubes in your drawer for years and not do anything. But as soon as you 
mix it together, the two bits together, it goes hard in minutes. It's just like that with the message of the kingdom. People are there, day in, day out. Do they know the message of Jesus? Do they know God? Are they right with God? Are they in the kingdom? Can't tell by just looking at it. But speak the message of Jesus and a reaction happens one way or the other. And that's what Jesus is doing here. You're either inside God's new kingdom or you're an outsider without forgiveness from God. Well, how does Jesus' message divide his audience? Well, we're told about these spectators and seekers as uh, God describes them here. The characteristic of spectators is that they're superficial. They don't really get involved. And we're told about these different types of people in the parable. So pick it up, verse 14, where Jesus explains his parables. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is, uh, where the word is sown. I think that is what it's uh, Where they hear, Satan. Sorry, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that is sown among them. That's that first lot that we were told about, held off back in verse 4 in the parable. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and birds came up and devoured it. And Jesus, in the explanation of the secret, says, some people hear the message and it just bounces off them. It doesn't do anything. And you might have been, if you're uh, one of the regulars amongst us, you might be at the, have been at the stall outside the library over the last couple of days. Nobody coming up and talking to you at all. Finally, someone comes up and they talk to you. Suddenly stop. This person stops in front of you. And you say, oh, have you heard the message of Jesus? That is coming again. Have you heard that message? And they say, no, thanks. I'm all good. And they bend down and they pick up all the flies that drops off your table. They smile at you and move on. Okay. Thanks very much. A very kind person. But the small message that you had bounces off and does nothing. And they don't hear of anything else. There are those that are like the seed that falls on the rocky ground. Well, Jesus says in verse 16, these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The word amongst these people, they did, does produce something, and it's received with joy. But when troubles and persecutions come because of the word, they fall away. Maybe their friends laugh at them, their family ridicule them, they lose shifts in their work because they don't work Sunday nights because they're busy at church now, and they perhaps slowly go quiet and give up. There are others who sprout and grow, we're told, down in verse 18. There are others that are sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Other things come in, great things come in, and choke the word. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches 
choke the word. Terrific new <coughs> boyfriend. Terrific new girlfriend. So nice. Just what I needed. But just not someone who lives with priorities of God's kingdom. And you walk away. There's the soils that we've seen so far. Hard ground, the, the rocky ground, which does bring some fruit, and the ones that are choked by thorns. Maybe a chat at your table, you may not have thought about this before. What other things, and maybe some of the things I've mentioned, do you think choke people or cause people <coughs> to uh, fall away? Have a chat. You may not have thought about that before. You might learn something from someone on the table. Always in the face because you couldn't um, 
idea end up in sort of talking with someone, discussing something, and you become confused by the whole thing. You think, well, I had it all wrong. And uh, just, yep, something too, too big to handle. Yeah. Any one last one? Definitely like relationships. So, like, certain people uh, may be desperate for a relationship. You go for like non Christian boyfriend or girlfriend, or even a Christian one, but they just become so consumed by it. Or if it's a non Christian, non Christian, leading away from a relationship as well. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those things are a great thing, like the relationships. God created relationships. Uh, but there's something more important than relationships. It's the God who created them. Uh, what's more important, the relationship or the God who created them? What's more important, the great things that God's created or the God who's created those great things? And it can be any of the there's nothing wrong with riches. God created riches. But when they take the place of actually the God who made them, and you start serving riches, then you can get away from the God who made them. See, God is the one who's created everything. He's created us to have life. He's created us to have life that's used to serve him and his purposes. When I seek to live life my way and use what good things God's given me to serve my purposes, well, I'm stealing from God in the beginning to begin with. And I'm actually using His resources in opposition to Him to put myself at the centre of things. What it ends up doing, as you see in society, people live for themselves, it's actually destructive. It's actually not good for us individually. It's not good for us as a society, as a world. And God in Jesus brings a message that says he's not going to let people misuse the creation that God has made. He's not going to let people misuse the life that he's given. He's not going to let people turn away from him forever and bring destruction to others. He's going to bring judgment. And quite right. When we get caught up with putting things before God, we're in danger of judgment. We're in danger of walking away from out of the kingdom and away from this message. Take care if you think you're one of these. What do you need to do? Well, it's that fourth message, that's that fourth sort of soil that you see coming through. And it's there in verse 18. Sorry, verse 19. Sorry, verse 20. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. There are some who hear the message and they get it. They hear the message and, well, perhaps that, like the disciples, they don't quite understand it. But they know that Jesus is onto something. And so they come and ask Jesus in secret, tell us about it. We know that you're talking something that's true. Tell us about it. And those who are seekers aren't satisfied with not understanding. 
They're not satisfied with the little bit that's been given. They want more. And so they stay close to Jesus. They follow Jesus. And they put aside other things for the message of Jesus. They're the sincere seekers. They're the people who bear fruit. So which one are you? The one who is on board with the message of Jesus. You want to understand it more and more. It's good that you're here. It's a good chance that you're on the, on the right place, the right road if you're here. Or perhaps you've been here for a long time, but it's just bouncing off. Jesus says, keep hearing the message and keep listening. Keep understanding and keep asking and understanding the kingdom. And in doing so, we'll see how the message that Jesus has brought is a message that's to go out to the rest of the world. Uh, Jesus here, in his parable, and I'm down to the last point here, speaking of Jesus, Jesus in this parable is it's like an, an enacted parable. He's been teaching his disciples since he started preaching back in chapter 1, verse 15, when he goes out and just teaches the crowds. Wherever they happen to be, he just teaches. And he tells this story almost as a reflection on his ministry. The sower goes out, and the message just goes everywhere, just like Jesus has been teaching. And he says the same to his disciples. All sorts of people react differently to the message, don't they? You've seen it happen. Some receive the message, others just reject it in lots of different ways. But it's a message that is just for being sent out. Notice the sower, he's not a particularly good sort of sower. He doesn't test the soils first. He just sends the message out. The message of the kingdom is a message for anyone and everyone, just to, to go out. To his disciples, Jesus is saying, just send the message out. It's meant for anyone and everyone. And for us, especially as we're in the midst of Jesus weeks, if you're a regular here at Uni Bible Talk, uh, Uni Bible Group, we're seeking just to send the message out. It doesn't matter how people react to us. That is very liberating. Our job is not to make people accept the message. Our job is to make it clear. Now, that is very liberating so that we can actually concentrate on just loving people by making the message clear. We don't have to make them into something that we can't make them into. Unlike Jesus, who spoke to those people at that time in parables, we speak clearly about Jesus. We're very clear that Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming again. And Paul says that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 4, where he talks, Now, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he says, He is to declare the secret of Christ and make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, Paul says. Throughout Jesus' week, people will hear our message. Mark drama tonight. People will hear the message. Anyone, everyone, they'll hear something. We pray that they'll bear fruit. But it's not our job to make people respond in any particular way. Just make the message known. To anyone staff, students, security, visitors, wherever. The responses will be all over the place. That's not our worry. 
That's the character of the message, even if Jesus himself was speaking. For some, it will remain just like a secret, like KFC recipe. They'll listen to it, perhaps they don't even get it, or they don't like it. Uh, but for many, we pray God will open their hearts and hear that message and turn and repent and be forgiven. Either way, let's keep speaking of Jesus. I want to pray that we might do that. Well, thank you for the message that you've given us in Jesus, the message of your kingdom. Help us to keep speaking that message clearly. Please work in people's hearts to open their hearts to the message that Jesus is Lord and King and Jesus is coming again. Lord, please work in the hearts of those here who don't yet know Jesus as Lord and King. They might turn their hearts to you and that they might be forgiven and be a part of your kingdom, we pray. I mean, we're going to have someone here in prayer for us. Hey guys, my name is Adam. I'm the senior of ministry. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us today. The opportunity we have to gather here safely and uh, discover more about you and your word. Uh, Father, we'd like to bring uh, for you tonight and tomorrow's markdown performance. Uh, thank you for the opportunity that we have to share the gospel with our friends on campus. And uh, pray that you help the cast remember their roles. Uh, yeah, perform in a way that brings glory to you. Father, we want to pray for people who don't know you yet. Um, we pray that you soften their hearts as they come. Um, we pray that our performance draws them closer to you. We also thank you for the opportunity to go and tell people about uh, you on campus, the Q and Tea Table. We want to pray for fruit, fruitful conversations during walk up and at the table. We pray that you give our brothers and sisters the words they need to bring glory to you. We know that your word never returns without fulfilling its purpose. So please give us the courage to speak your gospel. Help us to be patient and loving to those who wish to know more about you. And we pray for soft hearts and those people to spread the gospel. Lastly, Father, we'd like to thank you uh, for our brothers and sisters at James Cook University in Cairnsville. Uh, yeah, please be with them as they get back into the semester and uh, back into their weekly schedules. We'd like to pray in particular for students starting their degree this semester. They feel uh, are welcomed and included as part of the Christian union on campus. Father, we'd like to commit all these things to you in uh, your son's name. Amen. Amen.